0: Let's pray. So Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for the increase of the anointing that's in this house. Father, we just believe today that you desire to do something great. And so, Lord, today, would you, uh, once again, or we already prayed it, but go down deep in our hearts. God, if there's anything that's there, God, that you would remove it. Lord, we ask, according to Ephesians chapter 1, that you would open the eyes of our understanding. God, that you would give us wisdom and revelation today. In Jesus' name, Lord, you said in your word that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. So, Holy Spirit, come and speak loud and clear to our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My mouth is, like, seriously dry today. I'm going to be all clicking at you in a minute. Anyways, so, so listen, so today is basically the, the third part of our four-part series that once again, that we're calling the Prayer Initiative. And uh, last week, I, I asked you guys to, once again, maybe challenge you guys is maybe the better word, uh, to pray four really courageous, four really bold prayers. And I want you to know that, that once again, I didn't just uh, challenge you, I challenged really us, meaning me as well. You, you know, it's kind of funny that when you, when you feel like you need to pray something, but you don't want to pray it, most of the time, that's because God's saying you need to pray it. And that's kind of where I've been with these four prayers. I've kind of been feeling like the Holy Ghost is like kicking me in the butt saying, okay, let's do this. And I'm kind of dragging a little bit saying, God, I really don't want to, because I know it's on the other side. But you know, a weekend, I tell you, it's, it's been pretty good and uh, challenging, but pretty good. Anyway, so here's the four prayers that I ask you guys to consider praying. The first one was this, it was the search me prayer. And uh, once again, that's how Psalms 139 is really where we come before God and we say, God, will you search me? Once again, not so God can somehow magically know what's in us. He already knows what's in us, but that he'll do what the Bible says there in verse 24, that's in Psalms 139, that he'd begin to point out to us any offensive way. That's anything that offends him, anything that offends others, that he would begin to expose that and show us what's really in our heart. And not only would he once again, just leave us kind of there bleeding, right? Because God never throws you on the operating table and just cuts you up. He always so you back together. Thank God, get you well. And so, but he would search us, point it out, and then he would lead us into basically everlasting life. He would lead us into his way of doing things. That's a good thing, right? The, the second prayer there is the send me prayer. And that's where we basically say this to God. Okay, God, I give you permission to interrupt my day, interrupt my life, however you want to. God, I give you permission to literally prop me, move me, turn me, direct me, lead me any way you want. And by the way, God, my uh, my talents, my abilities, my resources, which is my time, my energy, my money, all of that, God, is at your disposal. However you want to do it, do it, God. The third prayer there is the scariest one to me. It's the break me prayer. And uh, that simply says this, if Jesus was broken for me, God, let me somehow be broken for you. Because the same way that Jesus was broken so he could be poured out to people, there's a way that God breaks us and pours us out to people as well. So there's something about when we, once again, that we allow God to, to break everything that's not of him inside of us. And then he begins to reinforce the life that comes from him inside of us. Man, we become powerhouses in the kingdom. Amen? So, amen? So, the, the, y'all are already getting depressed. This is bad. All right. So... The the fourth one there is the not not me prayer, meaning basically this, which is really wrapped up in the first three. It's where we say, God, not my will be done, but your will be done. God, it's once again where I lay aside my agenda, my dreams, my hopes, my desires, everything i got, God. I lay them down. If there's anything that I'm running for and running after that's not of you, somehow, God, your will, not my will be done, right? Because what happened with Jesus when uh, Jesus was in the garden? What was he doing? He was struggling, Right. <laughs> He, Jesus, the son of God was struggling going to the cross because he knew what was you know, set before him there. And yes, we know the Bible says that it was a joy on the other side, but there was a part of him that didn't want to go through it. And I'm telling you what, if you want to pray those first three prayers, then somewhere along the line, you're going to have a Gethsemane moment where you say, God, your will be done, not my own. Okay. make sense. So, so here's what's so cool. Once again, I, you know, I, I said I, I'm praying this too. And it's so funny that Sunday morning, you know, we, we, at the end of service, we kind of all prayed into that. And uh, Monday morning, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but in that moment uh, when you're kind of like not awake, but you're awake and you're kind of there, it's where God talks to me a lot of times. And, and, and Monday morning, I began to have a dream about a certain pastor. And the dream really wasn't about anything significant. I just kept seeing this, this uh, minister, He's really an evangelist. I kept seeing him and seeing him and seeing. Him and seeing him, and uh, and I knew when I woke up, God was that search me prayer that was there because you know I that guy has been a uh, significant part of my life when I was younger, but you know since then basically you know we've kind of went different ways and all that. But over the years, he has never done anything to me, but I've seen the way he's treated other people, and I've let offense get in my heart because of the way he's treated people that I love. I make sense to you guys. And and so, you know, it's funny because I felt like God was saying, look, what you see and what you know and what you have issues with, it's right. But what's wrong, because you can be right and wrong at the same time, but the part of you that's wrong is your heart's wrong. And so I basically I need to deal with your heart with this issue. And so you know automatically I went to prayer. Just Jesus, forgive me, uh, God. I thank you that this man is a great husband. He's a great dad. God, I thank you for the anointing and the giftings in his life. But Father, I pray that my heart would get right and pure before Him. God, if there's anything I got, you know, forgive me. And what was so awesome is I it was either that day or the next day I got a call from somebody else and uh, about an individual that I that he did wrong in my opinion that. Uh, I got offended about. Uh, I got a call from somebody else out of the blue that kind of gave me a little bit more of the story. <laughs> and, and I saw, you know, I still agree, but I still saw uh, the, the more of the picture. and I went, okay, God, I got you. Thank you. Because it's amazing what, when when your heart gets right, God will give you a better perspective on things, yeah. right? And the other funny thing is this, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll hush and we'll move in today, but, but you know, we're, we're praying that second prayer, that send me prayer, You know, yesterday I was at the, once again, we've been praying this for, uh, you know, I've been praying it more than a week, but I guess maybe about two weeks now. And and I've been, you know, asking God to send me, interrupt my day, all those things. And yesterday I was at the pitch, and and, and my kids got done with their class, and it gets done, I think, um, 1045. And I saw this man come in, and I saw him leave, and it was a guy they used to play soccer with a lot. And I I kept, uh, you know, I've had good conversations with him, but God's never really opened the door. Right. And uh, and I've asked God, God, please give me an opportunity to share uh, you with this guy. I really, really, really like him. The guy's an amazing fella. uh, But but he doesn't know Jesus. Right. And so anyway, so yesterday before we left, I said, you know, I'm just going to go look for him. And I wasn't thinking about sharing anything with him. I just said I want to connect with him. I haven't seen him probably in three or four months like he just hasn't been around. He lives in another town anyway. So I went and I found him up in the balcony. and, And it was like we were talking about first, it was really awkward. And then we just started talking basically about where he's from and all these things. And then the door opened. And I spent probably about an hour, hour and a half having Jesus' conversation with a guy. You know, so, so that's kind of stuff. Listen, it's funny. I come home and I go, it's because we've been fasting and praying God's are you with me? That God will open up these opportunities. Anyways, hopefully that makes sense to you guys. And uh, I just want to encourage you to keep at it, uh, pray for it, and then but be open. Once again, if he wants to deal with you, be open to it. If he wants to send you, be open to it. Just be open to what God wants to do. Amen? He, uh, you know, so often he is, he is longing to be uh, more personal and, and more interactive and, and more engaging in our lives than what we give him credit for. Yes? All right, so let's shift gears and let's talk about today. When I think about the word prayer so often, there's a few verses that immediately come to my mind, and I want to share a few of them with you really quick. One's Matthew chapter 7, and and all you guys know this says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door Will be opened. Another verse that I really, really like is uh, James chapter five, verse sixteen. It says, "The prayers of a righteous man or a righteous woman is powerful and effective." If that don't get you pumped up when you're praying, I don't, something's wrong with you, right? That's awesome. The probably my favorite verse when it comes to prayer is Matthew chapter six. I love this verse. It says, "But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret." will reward you openly. So listen, those verses and a whole lot more that are just like them have really encouraged me in my prayer life over the years. But what I want to talk to you about today is this, is in spite of how encouraging those scriptures are, and in spite of how truthful they are, what do we do when our prayer lives don't come anywhere close to resembling those three verses? What do we do, (laughs) right? Listen, it's kind of like this. Here's what I was thinking is what do we do when in spite of our prayers, we aren't receiving anything from heaven? What do we do when, when we aren't, uh, quote, unquote, finding anything of significant worth from God? What do we do when any, when no special doors are being opened for us? You know, it's basically like, man, we just keep hitting the wall. You know, what do we do when our prayers, uh, you know, seem like a lot of things, but powerful and effective is not one of them. You, you know, what do we do when we sit there and we go, man, I'm not even being rewarded in the secret, much less in the open. What do I do? Right? And, and it's kind of like this, and I know we've all been there, but what do you do when your prayers, uh, you, you know, they're not even getting past the ceiling, much less going before the throne of God. In short, what I'm saying to you is this, is what do we do when our prayers are going unanswered? What do we do when our prayers are being unanswered? And uh, just real quick, has anybody ever been there? Listen, if you've ever been there for a sustained period of time, then you know it is an awful place to be, right? There's something about when you've been praying your guts out, and the heavens fill brass, and, and, and that, that you feel so disconnected. You, you know, in fact, I, I was uh, reading this week, and, and basically I was reading a story about a guy, I think he lived in Texas, and, and he basically said that... Uh, that, that he saw it, basically a tornado come by his house. And I don't know if you've ever been in a tornado, but it's one of the scariest things you'll ever walk through in your life. But anyways, tornado came by his house and he saw it, he was heading towards his brother's house. So he hopped on the phone and he, and he called his brother. While they were on the phone, he was warning him, the line went and went out. And he couldn't get him back on the... And he talked about basically the fear that was in that moment that he couldn't connect with his brother to find out if he was okay, right? So if you've ever been there in, with heaven... And you feel like, oh, my God, God where are you at? Where, you, you know, you just feel absolutely lost. Can I get an amen? amen. So, so listen, I don't know about you, but when I have found my place in those moments, I begin to wonder why God isn't answering my prayers. In other words, I'm not the kind of person uh, that just settles for, okay, they're not being answered. We'll keep moving forward. I, I'm the kind of person that begins to, begins to ask questions. I begin to want to know stuff like this. Okay, is, is what I'm praying for, is it the right timing? You know, I say, okay, God, are, are you trying to teach me to wait on you? God, God, are you trying to stretch my faith in an area? God, are you really, really, y'all hear this one, are you really saying no and I'm having a hard time accepting that as an answer? Uh, you know, or by chance, God, is there somehow, like Daniel, I'm in some intense spiritual warfare here? And I, you know, and I want you to know that all of those are legitimate possibilities and, and they do happen. They do happen. Sometimes it's been the case for me. But but there's times where I've had to stop stop and take a, a step back, and I've had to get really honest with myself. And this is what I want to talk to you about today is this, is that is it possible that our prayers are going unanswered because they are being hindered, not by God, not by the devil, but they're being hindered by me? You know, it, you know is there a chance that, that there's something that I'm doing or in some cases that I'm not doing is it canceling out my prayers before it ever leaves my mouth? So today I want to give you uh, eight reasons, and we're going to go. We're going to go quickly through these, but eight biblical reasons for unanswered prayers. I think this is important. In fact, I feel really prompted that I need to tell you guys these things. So, so eight reasons for unanswered prayer. Number one, it's just so simple. Is it's not God's will? It's like duh. We all know that one, but it, it's not God's will. See, years ago, and I've told you a story, I was reading Luke 11. In fact, I was uh, studying for the first Sunday school class that I ever taught. I was 18 years old and I uh, had, had a part of it, right? And I remember studying Matthew and then studying Luke and reading this story about Jesus talking about how that there was a young boy that came and he asked his father for a piece of fish. And Jesus said, surely he wouldn't give him a snake. And then it says in Luke 11 there that if he came and he asked for uh, an egg, then surely the father wouldn't give him a scorpion. And, and then God began to kind of open my eyes and show me, hey, look, Quentin sometimes Christians, you included, sometimes you guys pray for things that if I gave it to you, it would turn around and it would bite you, right? Or if the scorpions, it would sting you, it would hurt you, it'd bring harm to your life. And and, and really here was the overall thing God was saying that if I gave you what you were asking for, then basically it would pull you away from me. And so God was saying, look, the, the reason I'm not giving this to you is because I really love you. And the reason I'm not giving to you is because my mercy is really great for you. And I want what's best for you. So the reason I'm saying no, the reason it's going unanswered, is because it's not my will for your life. Y'all with me today? So, so listen, the Bible teaches us this in 1 John chapter 5. It says, this is the confidence. Can somebody say Confidence. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. Man, isn't that something that as God's kids, we can have a confidence in approaching Him? I, I remember being a kid, uh, you, you know, wanting to go ask my parents for something, and I was scared to death to go ask them. There was no confidence in it, right? Because why? Because I, I just knew that they were going to say no. You now a lot of people just think God's automatically going to say no. But the Bible says here that we can have confidence When we approach God, right? And it says this, it says that if we ask anything according to, here's our answer, his will, guess what? He hears us. We have his full attention. You get that. In other words, so often I remember asking my dad something, dad, can I ask you a question? And he'd just be like piddling around, half attention. But when we come and we begin to pray and ask God, Something according to his word, to his will. Guess what? He stops and he gives us his undivided attention. It says this in verse 15. It says, And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, once again, the whatever is in whatever's in his will, it says we know that he, uh, we know that we have what we ask of him. Man, isn't that good? Isn't that good? So, so listen, today, if you're sitting back going, man, pastor, how do I know that I'm asking something that's in the, word, uh, in the will of God? Is it in the word of God? That's what you need to ask yourself. Can I find it in the word? And it, because as long as I'm praying in agreement and alignment with the word, guess what? Once again, there's a confidence that we're not only praying the will of God, but there's also a confidence that we're going to receive what we're asking for. God's going to answer. Isn't that good news? So the second reason I want to give you today is this. is The second thing that hinders our prayers that literally cancels them out, y'all hear this, cancels them out before it ever comes out of our mouth, is doubt. Listen, over the years I have prayed with so many people, and as I have prayed with people with the best, best I got, guess what? I, I have literally felt, in the spirit, I have felt my, my prayer come out of my mouth and fall right on the ground, right in front of me. And the reason is because their doubt was stronger than my faith. There's been times where I've prayed with people and I knew they doubted and somehow we got a breakthrough, thank God. But I can't tell you how many times that I've prayed for people, even while I'm praying, I'm knowing that all I'm doing is uttering words because it's going to go nowhere. See, the Bible tells us this in James chapter 1. It says, but when we ask, we must believe. (laughs) Y'all get that. One of, my, one of my favorite stories about a guy named Smith Wigglesworth, I've rambled about him plenty in, around here, but, but Smith was a, a powerful guy. He was an Englishman that was a plumber and got filled with the Spirit at 40 years old and become one of the greatest healing evangelists that's ever lived. But, but when, one time he preached a sermon, and he preached uh, two words. He repeated them again and again and again. He started in a really low voice, and he ended up screaming, Just believe. <laughs> and and as, he, as he basically went from, Just believe. Just believe, just believe, to just believe. All around the room, people started getting healed. Why? Because their doubt was gone. It started faith in their hearts, and God began to do miraculous things. If you've never read anything by Smith, go read it. Smith Wigglesworth. If you want to, you can name your kid Wigglesworth. It's awesome. All right, so anyway, so it says that we must believe what and not doubt. Listen, every person in this room struggles with a measure of doubt. All of us, okay? And, uh, and so, once again, that's why it's so important that, that uh, once again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Well, we got to be people who love the Word of God because that's the only way that that doubt's going to be uprooted out of our lives, okay? So, starting again, it says, But when we ask, he, uh, we must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Watch verse 7. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. It can't get any more clear than that, can it? will not receive anything. I like the way, in fact, the Message Bible puts this. You've you got to get this. This is beautiful. It says, people who worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. We could drop the mic and walk out the room right there. People who worry their prayers. You, you, you know what it's like to pray with some, with some person? that it's, like, it's almost like they're just shaking. God, if you can, I, I hope you can. I wish you can. I just, I just, I'm just not sure if you can. Are you, are you guys with me? It, it's like they have zero confidence in God. And, and really, here's what it says: when someone is a worrier kind of prayer person, that they have no clue their true identity as a son or daughter of God. See, see, my Bible says in Romans eight thirty two that if he did not spare his own Son, how much more would he not so freely give us all things. Amen? Amen? So, people who worry their prayers. See, you see, when a, a person who prays from a position of doubt, and doubt really means this it means that they're undecided or they're skeptical. That they're really undecided and skeptical of if God can or God will do anything on their behalf. Therefore, what happens when, when, we, when we're undecided, when we're skeptical, that's when we come to God and we pray worry prayers and not prayers of faith. So true. So true. So once again, I you know I, I don't mean to be a broken record, this morning, but that's why it's so important that we know the word, and 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 here's why. Listen, that we know the word beyond here, that we know it in here. I, I've, man, listen, I I have met hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of people that can quote more scriptures than I can, but their lives are deader than a doornail because it hasn't because that seed hasn't gotten their heart, and the Holy Ghost hasn't watered and it, hasn't come alive to them. Must come alive. You know, years ago I, I read this quote, and I, I think it—you know, it's, it's applicable to this, but, but a person said this, says that we need to quit telling God about the mountain. That's what a worry prayer does. A worry prayer goes, and they just got to tell God about the issue, but a person of faith, they start telling the mountain about God. Yes? God, I hope you can change the city. We declare what God said over the city. Right? So, so instead of, my, I, I hope my, my children do No, 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 I declare the word of God over my children. L- listen, guys, it's so important that, because the Bible is still alive. It's still powerful, it's still, right? right? It's, it's alive. That whatever we're going through, go grab you a promise. Go, that's the only way worry going to leave. The only way doubt's going to leave is grab a promise from the word of God and begin to declare it over that situation. Listen, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. If you're new to it, you're going to say this. Well, I don't know if I believe it. Keep declaring it anyways. Keep declaring it. Keep declaring Because once again, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Keep declaring it over. You no, know, listen. There's been scriptures that I have prayed that I probably didn't believe the first hundred times that I prayed the thing. But then finally it started to get a little traction. Then a little more. Then a little more. Then a little more. Right? And now it's like, man, those things have become pillars that my, my spiritual life stands on. Number three. This is no one in here. But number three, wrong motives. <laughs> wrong motives. James 4.3 says this. Says, this is amplified. says, you ask God for something and do not receive it. Because you ask with wrong motives. Out of selfishness or with an unrighteous agenda. So that when you get what you want, you may spend it on your own desires. Other translations say pleasures. So listen, in this verse, here's James, who is Jesus' brother, right? And he's the pastor of the, the church of Jerusalem. And he's writing this letter to Christians in general. But he's bringing correction to some of the members in the church because he's telling them this, that the driving motivation behind their prayers was envy and selfish ambition. That that was their motivation. In other words, that if you really read it, they were coveting. They were looking at what other people had, and they wanted it. And so they begin to pray these prayers, and so what happens is, is he begins to say, look, guys, your prayers aren't really prayers of all. Really, they're just a poor attempt of you trying to manipulate God and giving you what you want. Isn't that interesting? And, and then, of course, James makes it really clear. When you pray those kind of prayers, God isn't even going to hear you. Yeah. You, you. You know, it's almost like, um, I don't know why, this is, this is the analogy that's kind of coming to me, is... Um, you know, there's a difference between how many people... God, make me a millionaire. God, make me a millionaire. And the reason they want to be a millionaire is because they want stuff. Right? In fact, it w- I was funny. I was talking to a, a guy yesterday. At uh, I was at the pitch twice yesterday uh, for another practice. But while I was there, um, it was so funny. I was talking to a, a guy, and he was talking about him and his wife, how they'll say, you know, I want to get this. And then they, when they get it, basically they'll look at each other. It's kind of like their inside, the, inside joke. They'll go, are you happy now? Like, are, you know, are you fulfilled now that you got your new whatever, right? And it's like a joke with them. But, but what happens is there's so many people that pray for God to bless them and bless them and bless them because they want stuff. It's about their own pleasures. And instead of saying, God, somehow, man, I'm a giver with my little, and then God understands because there's tithe and offerings, right? The kingdom promises that, guess what? Because I'm a giver, God will bless me because he knows I'm going to continue to give more because it's about kingdom for me, and it's not about me. make a sense you know for some people that want the gifts of God stirred up in them once again if our hearts are not right to be a blessing to the body God will not God will not stir it up right because he knows that you're just wanting basically to make a name for yourself that's not the way God works yes I see many people that want a ministry but guess what God doesn't give them one because it's really about them and not about the people you know you can go down tons of details there okay tons of examples but I think here's the lesson, and we'll move to the fourth one, is this, is that when we pray, we need to approach God with a spirit of humility. And see, a spirit of humility says this, that, God, I trust you, that you know what's best for me, and that you know what I need when I need it. And if, and if you desire to give me those things, it's fine, right? But if not, guess what? I'm not, I'm not, it's not from an envy, envious heart, okay? Does that make sense? Number four, an, it's an unconfessed sin. An unconfessed sin will hinder our prayers. So, you know, listen, at first glance, I know that this can kind of feel like you're swallowing a toothpick. And the reason is, is because, you know, if we're honest, we sit back, you, you don't have to put the scripture up yet. But if we, if we wait and we actually look at that and we go, man, surely in my life, as much as I, as much as I stumble and fall, right? Because we all do, then surely there's got to be a sin somewhere in there that I haven't confessed. Let me tell you, if, God, if God's basing this part off of that, we're all in trouble, Right, Because all of us in this room got some kind of unconfessed sin. But, but I want to show you where, uh, you know. W- let me say this first, maybe to put it in context, is that there's a huge difference between failing or falling on your face occasionally. All of us do that. So there's a big difference between that and then continuously and deliberately sinning. That's where God draws the line. You, you, you get what I mean? We've all been there before where there's, this, there's a sin in our heart that we just don't want to let go of. Don't act like you're super spiritual in this moment. Come on. <laughs> L- listen, we've all been there. Let me show you where God draws the line. Look at what uh, David said. Yeah, thank you. Psalm sixty-six, eighteen. he says this. He says, if I regard, or one translation says, if I cherished sin in my heart, that is, if I know it is there and do nothing about it, the Lord will not hear me. Ooh, that's scary, isn't it? So, so listen. The word "cherish" there to kind of once again to bring context to this, because this isn't everybody, okay? But, but, but there is people, and so the word "cherish" means this. It means that a person loves their sin, that they cling to it, they revel in it, and they ultimately—key word—they rationalize it. See, See, it's that kind of deliberate, habitual sin that that cancels out our prayers, and the only thing that's going to open up the line of connection where you say, "God, can you hear me now?" is repentance. That's the only thing. In fact, and, and with that person, if I can be so blunt to tell you, that the only, per, the only prayer that God's going to hear from that kind of person is a prayer of repentance. Yeah. Number five. Number five, it's a lack of forgiveness. It hinders our prayers, a lack of forgiveness. I, I read this some time ago, and I recently ran across it again, but uh, I, I read this. There was a guy named John Oglethorpe. And uh, he once made this statement to John Wesley. Does anybody know who John Wesley is? He's the founder of the Methodist Church, powerful man of God. Basically, here's, here's what, basically, Oglethorpe told Wesley. He said this. He said, I never forgive. I never forgive. And, and Wesley simply replied, replied this to him. He said, then, sir, I hope you never sin. <laughs> See, here's what Wesley was trying to warn Oglethorpe about it. he was trying to warn him what Jesus taught in Mark eleven twenty five. He said this he says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything, anything, anything against anyone, Jesus help me. Anything against anyone, forgive them, forgive him, or in other words, let it go, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Matthew made it clear when he said this that if you don't forgive those who have sinned against you, then your father will not forgive you. Basically, when you so basically, what Wesley was asking was telling. Oh boy, when he said, "I hope you never sin," he was saying this, fella. Listen, there's going to come a time where you're going to be going to God and you're going to pray because surely he was a believer, and you're going to say, "God, I really blew it. Will you will you forgive me?" And God's going to go because you haven't forgiven those people. Let me show you this other verse. This is really good. This one's challenging me. Matthew five twenty three through 24 says this. It's Jesus talking. He said, therefore, if you are offering your gift, in other words, if you're praying, if you are worshiping at your altar, wherever that's at, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Notice it's different in this. It's not if you have something against them, but if they have something against you, which really what that means is this, that somewhere along the line, I did something to them. He says, leave your gift, leave your worship, leave your prayer there in front of the altar. First, go, go, and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Listen, if we, here's the point I'm really making. If we want our sins forgiven and our prayers to reach God without any hindrances, we must have a forgiving heart. We must. We must. I've told y'all plenty of times that if we're bitter and we have unforgiveness in our hearts that that we're the ones in prison not the people we're mad at okay and so if we're going to get free we got to forgive okay but at the same time we must be willing to make our wrongs that we have committed right and hear this word when God reveals it to us quickly quickly okay so listen it's kind of this understanding that God is a God of reconciliation and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation so how can, once can that means to bring people to him? Okay? Okay, born again experience. But how can we be ministers of reconciliation if we can't even reconcile with the body? If we can't reconcile with the family? Right? In other words, we can't really carry the anointing of that ministry uh, of, of being people who witness for Jesus if, if we can't even say, you know what, I, I did Cheryl wrong and i got to make it right really fast. Are you, am I making sense, you guys? Okay. All right, this next one, and this one's a tough one to swallow, all right? Uh, it is, because it hits some really tough spots in our lives. Number six, an unhealthy marriage. An unhealthy marriage. If you're if you're married in this place, uh, then you know marriage isn't automatic. Can I get a whale? Okay. So hey, man, whale. Hey, y'all sounded sound broken right there. That was tough. <laughs> Jesus, help us. All right, anyways, but li- Listen. Marriages must be constantly worked on if they're going to remain healthy and balanced in the way God designed for them to be. Okay? I don't care how spiritual you are, how spiritually mature you are. Marriage is never going to it's never easy, okay? It's not. And once again, it's 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 two it's two wills coming together, colliding right? Trying to become two, trying to become one. And that's not easy. So li- listen, if you can kind of hear this for a minute, marriage is obviously this really unique blend or this unique balance of love and respect, of sacrifice and submission, admiration and affection. And, and when whatever reason, if we step aside from that design that God has there, our relationship with our spouse is going to suffer. And not only with our relationship with our spouse is going to suffer, but so will our relationship with God, because once again, the whole book is about relationship with him and relationship with others. And so when we get sideways with other people, especially our spouses, then we really get sideways with God. Listen to how Peter said this. He said it this way He said, In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. He says, She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner. Everybody get that. She's your equal partner. In other words, you're not, you, you know, fellows. We're not the dominating one in the house, right? We're 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 teammates, right? We do this together, side by side. I, I loved it when Jen and I got married. The the pastor made it really clear that that uh, look when. Of course, he did all those weddings. You know know that he had performed, but he would say this that, look, uh, basically, look at the husband. He'd say, you know, God didn't take, you know, a bone somehow out of your head so, and to make the woman so she'd be over you. He didn't take one from your foot to somehow make her under you. He took one from your side as your rib so you could be side by side equal with one another. Yes? So it goes on to say this. It says, but she is your equal partner in God's gift to new life, to new life, to Christian life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. I'm going to be honest with you guys. When I feel like I'm hitting a brick wall with God, that's the first verse I go to. Because that's probably the greatest struggle I got right there. Right? Is it okay to say that? I have an amazing wife. Love my wife. We've got a great relationship. But man, I just, we're two strong-willed people. Really can I get an Amen? <laughs> amen. So we're strong willed and, and you know and sometimes you know I'm amazed. I'm amazed by this. I'm gonna be flat on honest with you today. I'm amazed at what I hated about my mom and stepdad's marriage and my dad and my stepmom's marriage. What I hated about their marriage, I find myself doing the same thing. Oh that's tough, right? And, and so, you know, and so funny is when I when I am not doing good in, in that spot right there, it's typically when I'm not doing good in my own private time. Right? It's, you know, once again, I, I think a lot of people, and, you know, Pastor Brian, you know, Pastor Bill, Pastor David over there, all oh, you guys understand, Pastor Jim, you understand this. It's so easy to get in a spot where, uh, as as pastors, we're so used to ministering, so it's easy to start reading the Bible to get a message instead of having your own time with Jesus. And and it's easy to go pray and pray more about the people than it is about your own self. It's so easy, right? And when I find myself getting stuck in that rut, I tend to get sideways here. Because I haven't got before the Father and let that love right wash over me. So when when I don't have that, when I haven't been fellowshipping with the one who is love, I tend to come and not be real loving. And then what happens is, is that causes my wife to get in a cycle, for now she doesn't respect me. If she doesn't feel loved, she's going to respond out of disrespect. And then she responds out of disrespect to me Well, I respond unloving to her. You know, that's what uh, Edrickson says, you know, the, the crazy cycle. <laughs> Jesus help us. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. Okay, make sure it wasn't only me. Y'all, look at y'all, y'all pastors, y'all even put your hands up, y'all, y'all. Man, it's true. Anyway, so let me say this to you guys though. I think it's easy for us, ladies. I said, us ladies, you ladies. <laughs> hey, but there ain't no struggle there. I promise you that, all right. so that's one place I'm not struggling. All right, here we go. But I think it's easy for you ladies, to hear that verse in your life. this, your husband. <clears throat> see there? See. Ladies, listen, it would be foolish for you to think that that doesn't apply to you as well. Yeah. Right. Yes, that, that, that if you are not, once again, uh, viewing your husbands as way God said to, guess what, it's going to hurt your prayers as well. Okay, so I'm just saying this to me, and this challenge to all of us, it's imperative that we follow God's design for our marriage. In other words, we, you know, we even prayed it earlier, but, but that us men in this church, once again, that we would love our wives as Christ loves the church. And, you know, wrap your brain around that one. When you get it down, come and tell me. Okay? Because I'm like, God, what does that even mean? Okay? And understand it's sacrifice, but guess what? I'm not him. Right? And so, there, in other words, all that doesn't compute for me. Maybe I'm just some dumb redneck from Pensacola, Alabama. But, man, it's like all that doesn't connect all the time. But, man, it's, it's really, you know, once again, it's, it's can I serve her? Can I sacrifice? Can I think about her before I think about myself? that's hard, right? And then and then ladies, you, not we, but you. <laughs> you know, you got to submit to your husbands. Once again, not if they deserve it, but but once again as if you're doing it to the Lord, cuz all the time we don't deserve it. Sometimes we're blockheads. Okay? We are. So, but listen, if we want vibrant relationships with the Lord, we got to do this. Yes, and and if we if we can't figure it out, we got to stay on our face until God helps us figure it out. Amen. All right, number seven, and, and these last two are quick. So, number seven is, is this. It's it's uh, forgetting the poor. Forgetting the poor. <laughs> Didn't know this one was in there. Proverbs twenty one thirteen 13 says, He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. Wow, huh? D- to think that, you, you know, in other words, I, I think it's this. I mean, obviously... There's a balance to all things, right? But I think if we basically get our heart hardened towards the people who are, who are poor, right, for whatever reasons. Some, some, some people are poor because it's self-inflicted. Some people are just poor because, man, it's just, it's just life, right? And if we don't have grace and mercy towards that, whatever it is, then guess what? Then we're going to find ourselves in the spot where we really need God to help us. And God says, you know what? Does that make sense? Now, now, listen, let, let me let me maybe say this. Let me stop and say this. Am I saying that God sometimes doesn't have mercy when we blow it in these areas? Yeah, he's got mercy. Let, let me give back. You, you know, I, let me. one thing that's popping to my head right now is when Peter was in jail, we know that there was people at uh, somebody's house, they were praying for him. God set him free. God set him free. You know, free him, free him. Don't let him kill him. Please, God, don't let him kill him. And uh, we know an angel went in there, and it says, I think, I think my memory's right, there's 16 guards that are around him, he's chained, and the angel unlooses him and walks him up out of that prison, out the door, out the front door of the place, and, and basically a deep sleep fell on everybody. It was an absolute miracle. God set him free. And he goes to uh, the house where they're praying, and he, hey, yo, let me in <laughs> before this angel leaves. Let me in, right? Uh, for my coverage is blown, right? And so, and, and Rhoda comes to the door, the servant, and she opens the door, Ah! shuts the door and runs back in. It says, basically, uh, you know, Peter's there. They're like, it's a ghost. It's not even Peter, it's a ghost. They didn't even believe what they were praying for. God answered their prayer and it showed up on their doorstep. So sometimes God, thank God for his mercy and grace. He bypasses our ignorance and and, and he helps us. Amen. So, so understand that. Don't throw yourself in legalism and all this. But if God prompts you, then move. Amen? All right. So last one. And this sounds super silly, but the ultimate hindrance is this. Number eight, it's just a failure to ask. That's the number one hindrance to prayer is a failure to ask. It's the failure to pray in the first place. James 4.2 says this, you do not have because you do not ask. Pretty clear. <laughs> you do not have because you do not ask. Listen, if we never pray in the first place, how are things going to get done? Right? It's like this. It does us no good to gripe and complain about our nation if we never pray for it. It does us no good to gripe and complain about our town and the people in it if we never pray for them. Right? We can complain all day long that, you know, for whatever sin that's revealing its head, popping its ugly head up. But if we never fall on our face and go, Jesus, do something. Nothing's ever going to change. You, you know, I, I've said it before, but I love that old quote by John Bevere. They said, what you will not confront will not change. What you will not confront will not change. It's good wisdom, isn't it? So, I'm done. As David Hall would say, uh, not forever, just for today. Um, but I want to close by this. I, you know, I ask these guys, do, do you have the list of all of them? Thank you, Noah. Yeah. So, so I want to do this. I want the worship team to come up, if you don't mind. I tell you what, just the band today, just the band, just come up. I just want these guys to play, and and I'm going to give us maybe, I'm going to give us maybe a few minutes here. Okay, so nobody please be in a rush. Nobody run out. I just want these guys to play to kind of set the kind of set the tempo. Rachel, Michael, when you guys decide where you want to go, and um, and I want the rest of us just kind of close our eyes and peek occasionally at this list of eight and just go, Jesus, is there anything there that I maybe need to get right? There, in other words, it's this. How, God, how can I, if the door's been closed, uh, how can I get heaven open today over my life? Are you guys okay with that? Can we do that? So you don't have to stand. You, if you want to, you can stand. If you want to kneel, that's fine. If you want to come to the altar, that's fine. Uh, just make yourself home at the moment. Make yourself an altar and just say, Jesus, um, search my heart in these areas. So Jesus, as we kind of pause for this moment, Lord, we're just asking, we're just inviting. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and reveal what only you really see. Let us see what you see. And if there's any of those aid or maybe it's something else that somehow has gotten in the way, Holy Spirit, shine your light on it, God, so we can have just a a clear passage to heaven again. It's, It's way too important. Prayer is way too important for us to mess up our connection with you. So search our hearts. Thank you. Father, today we just thank you that your word tells us in first john it says that if we confess our sins or that you are faithful and just to forgive us god not only do you forgive us but god you cleanse us of all unrighteousness and so lord today we just take a moment and thank you god for your grace and your mercy we thank you for the opportunity uh, to reconnect with you in a fresh way father that God, if there's any of those things that have stood in the way, Lord, we ask, God, not only would you help us to just work it out in our hearts, but, Lord, we're asking, God, in Jesus' name, God, that you would help us to overcome it. Uh, Because, Lord, that's that's really, we, we want victory, God, in these areas. We want victory. We want victory. So, Lord, thank you for your grace, your enabling grace, God, to help us overcome whatever stands in our way between us and you. Jesus, we thank you for these things. In your name we pray.